Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Great, great words as we think together this morning about what it means for us to uh, have the freedom to rest. And it seems like uh, we're in a season when uh, we could all use a little rest, even though uh, maybe we've cut back on our activity. Uh, It seems like uh, cutting back on activity doesn't necessarily mean it's restful. And so we're worshiping around this idea that we are free at last and uh, basing this little series on the book of Isaiah and the teaching we find there. And just to kind of refresh your memory and to think about this, is sometimes it's really difficult for us to see how God is working and how all of the processes and the theology of God and the promises of God fit into our little story and our little narrative. And, and I would guess that at, at any one time, you, you know, you might be in a in a moment, in a set of circumstances, when a lot of the things that you're told at church, that you're told about the graciousness of God, or the presence of God, or the strength of God, where you just kind of go, I don't feel it. I don't feel it right now. I don't feel it today. I don't feel it in these circumstances. And that's why we have this sweeping biblical narrative of the children of Israel, because we can see oftentimes in this narrative, this story of God's people, how God works. And we can see it written across history, and we can see it written across time. And and when we can't quite feel it or see it in our own lives, we can watch the historical way in which God unfolded His providence and His care and His grace and His comfort and His promises to people, not all in one day, but over this extensive amount of time. And we talked about last week, the reason that we dive into that kind of stuff is because mixed into that narrative is this promise that there's more. But wait, there's more. It's not just about a historical look back. It's about woven in, particularly into the narrative of Isaiah, the promises of this coming Messiah, this, the promise of what's going For unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. This ongoing promise of the one who would come by his stripes we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. That forward-looking peace in which we begin not only in the epic of Israel and in its history and daily activities see the providence of God, we began to anticipate God's greater purposes in this cosmic, overwhelming sending of a Messiah. And we thought about that last week. But wait, there's more. There's, it's not just the epic and it's not just the prophetic peace. It's the fact that this Savior died and came to be a part of your journey and my journey. And so that this story becomes something that's incredibly personal. This Easter resurrection season in which we live becomes a celebration. And so we're thinking about what that looks like together. There's an old story that was attributed to the Persian culture, and in it there's a great sultan, and he goes to his wise uh, sage leaders and advisors, and he says, give me a phrase engraved on a ring, that will keep me steady through the course of life. And maybe you've heard this story before. Uh, After some uh, deliberation and contemplation and consultation, they came back and they presented the sultan with a ring, and inside the ring was inscribed these words, this too shall pass away. And so that thought, this too shall pass away, is something I want you to hang on to uh, this morning. I think it matters. Uh, Some years later, the English poet Edward Fitzgerald wrote 
an adaptation of that old ancient Persian fable, and, and it was called Solomon's Seal. And in that story, he, he has a little different scenario. In it, he has people coming to King Solomon, seeking for a phrase that will hold them steady through the difficult times in life and keep them humble in the good times of life. And, uh, and Fitzgerald writes that Solomon speaks these words, this too shall pass. I think that's an intricate kind of way in which we start to filter some biblical truth into our lives. That writing from Edward Fitzgerald fell into the hands of somebody you probably heard of in American history. His name was Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, on the brink of Civil War in 1859, stood and delivered uh, a speech to the American people. And in it, he reminded them of the great words of Solomon, this too shall pass. And when we think about it, 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 really the reason that those kind of phrases matter is because they reflect a biblical truth. There's something that you and I ought to hang on to because if we're going to ever have the freedom to rest, we're going to have to level set some things in our hearts and in our minds. We're going to have to come to grips with some things that are really important. Tied into the idea of this freedom to rest is this biblical narrative that continually reminds us that so much of what worries us and stresses us and destroys our peace of mind is temporary. It's passing away. And it tries to speak to us over and over. As it talks about the grass that withers, it talks about things that are here today and gone tomorrow. It, it talks to us about not laying up treasures on earth where things are temporary. That whole idea that things are passing away. And I, I think if you take a deep breath this morning... And whatever's going on in your journey, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, one of the things that we have to come to grips with, that we have to embrace is this truth. This too shall pass. Things are not staying the same. They're moving forward. Not only that, but then we also have this sense inside the Scripture of this passing thing. It gets fitted into the idea of seasons. That there are these seasons in life, and seasons, while they're not all equally enjoyable, they are equally purposeful. That if we didn't have any one of the seasons, we would have difficult times being functional. And the Scripture is continually trying to make that application into our own lives, that we would understand that things are temporary, this too shall pass, but there are definite seasons in our life that are not equally enjoyable, but they become equally purposeful, and that matters. The Bible drives it one more level deeper. It says, in fact, that not only will this too pass, not only are there temporary things, not only are there seasons, but there is also time for everything under heaven. Listen to Ecclesiastes, attributed to Solomon's writing. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. The whole idea that there's this process, there's, there's things going on, there's an order to what's happening in our journey, as random as it sometimes seems. Hosea wanted everybody to understand that underneath the chaos, there is this ongoing God who is in control. Hosea 6.3, let us acknowledge the Lord, 
Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Underneath it, there's an order. Even when the world seems chaotic, James wants us to understand that idea. James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And so when you kind of melt that all down into some uh, foundational thoughts as we kind of open the word this morning, this too shall pass. There's a purpose to all the seasons and they are always changing. And there is a time for everything under heaven. It turns out that rest is uh, pretty important it's a pretty important biblical concept. In fact, uh, the Scripture is full of the admonition to rest. Uh, the very story of creation is uh, God's activity through six days and then creating the Sabbath rest so that, so that people have a chance to reorder their lives, that everything is not spent in this process of perpetuating our own existence, but we stop and we look up and we worship and we reformulate and we recalculate. And so this idea of rest becomes a a great idea. We're covered in His grace. We're under His wings. Those are these vivid metaphors that are used over and over. The psalmist writes in Psalm 62, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He's my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. Sometimes I think we need to take a deep breath and we need to think again about what these biblical writers are saying, those that are locked into this big narrative but who also speaking into your journey and my journey and your circumstances and mine. Maybe the most famous passage in Scripture is Jesus raising His voice in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I want us to think a little bit about that, and specifically in a moment, a few thoughts from Isaiah's specific guidance in chapter 40. But, but before we do that, I want to step back and I want to level set some things, because I think that if we're going to get to this place where we can apply this rest to us, we, we need to begin with the end in mind. We need to think about something that's going on that matters significantly. I, I don't know, but maybe it's not surprising to you that God's goal for us is often not the same as our goal for ourselves. I don't want to pass that too quickly. God's goal for us is not often the same as our goal for ourselves. I, I don't know what your goal might be, but, but if I'm honest, my goal in life is to be happy. I, I want to be happy. I want everybody to get along. I want everything to work out. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about my accomplishments. I want to feel good about my life. I, I, I want to feel that I have some kind of significance. I think that's true of most of us. In fact, I think it's so true that we desire to have a life of fulfillment and purpose that we have built entire theologies around this idea that what God really wants above all else is for me to be safe and happy and fulfilled. In fact, what God really wants is He wants me to be prosperous. He wants me to prosper in my feelings. He wants to, me to prosper in my relationships. He, he wants me to prosper in all of my endeavors and achievements. He wants me to prosper in my wealth. And so when we develop these kinds of theologies, and then we look at the story about our lives, 
Something's disconnected here. If, If the theology is, when I'm right with God, everything is working out, everything is a blessing, my goals and God's goals get to be the same thing. And here's the, here's the thing that, about that. We're supposed to come to a place where God's goals and our goals are the same. In fact, Jesus sets the example, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So we constantly have this image in Scripture, uh, you know, anyone who would be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The imagery in Scripture is this idea that we elevate God's purposes and we fit in underneath them. And I don't know about you, but this prosperity theology elevates my agenda and asks God to get behind it. It asks God to get into it. And then I wonder why I can't rest. Because God's not always doing for me what I think he needs to be doing. And so somewhere to just reorder this process and to begin with this end in mind. God is not nearly as concerned about my comfort as he is about my character. He's not nearly as concerned about my fulfillment as he is about my fruitfulness. God is not nearly as concerned about my prosperity as he is about my pruning. And I don't really like that. I I wish God would get on the same page with me instead of inviting me to get on the same page with him. That takes a genuine surrender of myself. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. God's goal for me is often very different from my goal for myself. And because of that, sometimes I don't feel the freedom to rest. If we're going to have the freedom to rest, we'll need to understand that this pruning will not always feel good and it won't always be relaxing, but it does push us towards our purpose of bearing fruit. And if we resent pruning, if we don't begin with the end in mind, we're going to have a hard time resting. Now, with that said, let me acknowledge this, that not everything in life is pruning to make us fruitful. Sometimes tragedy happens. Sometimes unexplainable things happen. And, And when that happens to us, God promises this, that he'll come around that pain and he'll give us a new plan A in all things I will work for your good. Not all things are good, and not all things are engineered as pruning, but sometimes tragedy happens in our life. And even in tragedy, God promises to enter into that and to invite us into this place of rest. So in Isaiah's great narrative, the first 39 verses are are, are a story of warning and and judgment and, and get right. And then at chapter 39, this great transition, and we open into chapter 40, into the middle section in which we begin this comfort section. It's almost like Isaiah understands and God understands that after a while, we just have to be gathered up and comforted. We have to be gathered up and reminded of the great loving grace of God, that we're going to sit in this place, we have to remember, this too shall pass. There is a purpose to all the seasons, and they are always changing, 
and there's a time for everything under heaven. Listen now with all of that in mind to some select verses from Isaiah 40. I'm going to read 1 through 5, I'm going to skip to 11, and then read very familiar passage, 27 through 31. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground will become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Skipping to 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll Walk and not be faint. And so out of this great passage, we, we, we move into this space, this transition from all that's gone before into this comforting section of the prophe- prophesying work of Isaiah and the historical moment uh, in the life of Israel. And I see several things upon which our freedom to rest is built that Isaiah is reminding us of. Number one, if we're going to have the freedom to rest, we're going to have to embrace the comfort of God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. I I, I think if you stopped and you think about how this narrative is unfolding, Israel has been through so much incredibly difficult circumstances. They've lost everything, their homes, their families, their traditions, their their, their comfort. They they have lost everything of great significance, and, and they need to be swept up in the comfort of God. We need that too. We need that too. Some of us listening right now, we we need to sit back and we need to close our eyes and we need to allow our imaginations to envision that God is speaking right into your feelings and your thoughts and your circumstances and your family and your future. That God, in fact, cares about comforting you. That the seasons are changing. They always are changing. That in fact, uh, God desires to speak tenderly into your life and into your story and into your heart and into your mind. How long has it been since you just quieted yourself and you just confessed to the Lord, "I, I need you to speak tenderly to me. I need you to speak words of comfort That God would remind you that the old things are passing away. That new things are coming into existence. If we ever want to be free to rest, we have to remember that God always moves on from the pruning. And He moves us into seasons of fruitfulness. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that at this stage of your life, in the middle of your story, that God is going to move you from stages of pruning into stages of fruitfulness? He speaks comfort, and He speaks tenderly, and He reminds those that the hard service has come to an end. This too shall pass. There's a purpose to all the seasons, and they are always changing. And there is a time for everything under heaven. Number two, Isaiah wants to remind us that if we're going to be free to rest, not only will we have to embrace the comfort of God, but the guidance of God. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. If Israel is going to enjoy this place of rest, they're going to need some guidance towards where this all is going to unfold. And you and I, we need that too. It's nearly impossible to walk this path, to go from this place where we feel lost and, and, and overwhelmed to this place where we feel comforted. We can't get there on our own. And so, in the wisdom of that, Isaiah speaks these prophetic words of God. Listen, I'm not going to let you stay lost. I'm not going to leave you out there where you can't find your way from where you are to this place of comfort and reassurance. I'm going to guide you. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to straighten out the paths. I'm going to make a highway in the desolation. Can you, you pick the images here? I'm going to straighten out the path. I'm going to build a highway where you can't see a way forward. I'm going to put in a super highway so it's so clear and obvious how you get from where you are to this other place. I'm going to raise up the low spots. I'm going to lower down the high places. I'm going to smooth out the rough spots. And he's reminding us, listen, I know you've been in this place of discomfort. I know you're in the place of hardship. I know there's been things going on. But listen, this too shall pass. There are seasons, and the seasons, though they're not equally enjoyable, they're equally purposeful. And they lead us to a place of fruitfulness. And there's a purpose for everything under God's heavens. And so, for you to stop and to think for a minute about what that looks like and what that means... Even to recognize that, that as you think about those words, those are the very words that are going to be spoken over John the Baptist. Here is one who will make straight the paths, who will raise up the low places, who will create a highway in the desolate places, who will make the smooth places as he leads the way into the Messiah, our comforter. Number three, if we're going to enjoy a season of rest, we're going to have to embrace the protection of God. Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads those that have young. For Israel that felt exposed and, and frightened and vulnerable and alone and uncovered and defenseless, uh, who felt they had lost everything, God promises protection. They can't see it yet, but he has always been sheltering them. But now that covert care is going to become much more overt. They, they will soon feel and see and taste the overpowering protection of God over their lives. The promise is not just for Israel. The season comes when the invisible providential protection of God becomes vivid and real in your life and mine if we wait. If we rest, if we trust, 
that the promise is that there will come a time when we need much less faith to see the providence and protection of God, and it gets into the places where we actually see and feel the protection of God. That's what happened to Israel. That's why the epic is there. You don't always live in this season of exile. At some point, God just throws up his arms and says, comfort, comfort, comfort my people. Let me gather you in. Let me protect you. When we feel like God has gathered us up in his arms, when we feel like he's protecting us as a shepherd, those, those are rare places in our journey and in our life. But don't you think sometimes that the reason we don't feel it is because we haven't really accepted by faith that God desires to comfort and to guide and he desires to protect me when I feel vulnerable and defenseless and overwhelmed, this too shall pass. There's a purpose to all the seasons, and they are always changing, and there's a time for everything under heaven. Isaiah continues, not only will we need to embrace the comfort and uh, the protection of God and the guidance of God, but we'll need to embrace the understanding of God. Why do you complain, O Jacob, and why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither does he grow weary. There is no end to his understanding, Isaiah writes. If we're going to find freedom to rest, we'll have to embrace that God understands. To Israel, he is saying, I see you, I know you, you're not out of my sight, I'm not ignoring you. Not only do I see you, but I get you. I understand you. In fact, you can never ever reach the bottom of my understanding. You can never get to the end of how much I understand your heart, how much I understand your feelings, how much I understand your intentions, how much I understand your fears, how much I understand your failures how much I understand your bad choices, how much I understand your anger, how much I understand your circumstances and your needs. And it's not just for Israel, it's for you and me too. That he sees you. Do you think about that? Do you allow that to, to sort of wash over you? He not only sees you, he gets you. He understands that thing inside of you that you try to explain, but you can't quite get into words. The writer of Hebrews says, the Holy Spirit intercedes to the Father with groanings that cannot be uttered. That in fact, this gift of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ and the grace of God just testifies to the fact that He sees us. He gets what's going on inside of us. The days of feeling lost and alone and misunderstood are over. They're a season, but they're passing away. This too will pass. There's a purpose to all the seasons, and they're always changing, and there's a time for everything under heaven. And number five, if we're going to embrace this freedom to rest, we'll have to embrace the strength of God. He gives strength to the weary increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar like wings, with wings like eagles, and they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. So, so for a moment then to think about this, the freedom to rest has to rely on having the strength to keep going. 
I, I just imagine that if you were a part of Israel and you had lived through the exile and you were hearing these words of promise, I, I have a feeling that there were a whole lot of people who were saying, well, that's all nice and good, but it's too late for me. It just, it, it just took too long. There must have been at least a few who said, oh, now that I'm all used up, you're going to do something? Now that my best years are past, now that the opportunities have come and gone, now that I'm too old and too discouraged and too disconnected. And so God then reassures them, no, no, no. I, I know you can't get from where you are to where you need to be. That's why I'm going to supply the strength you need. I don't know. I, I think this, there's a beautiful poetry in this process. If you stop and you think just a little bit about this particular passage, I just referred a moment ago to the fact that these are the very words spoken over John the Baptist. Don't you imagine that John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth? Don't you, I mean, Zechariah in the temple being told, now God's going to do this. Now God's going to provide you a child. You're going to have a son. And the disbelief that comes with that. And Elizabeth now in old age, way past the time to have a baby, way past the time when it would have suited her, way past the time when it seemed exciting, way past the time when it seemed like it was even possible. And, and, and this child that will be born to her will be the child that will make straight the paths and smooth out the rough places. It seems to me that the message here is so clear. I, I don't care how late it is in your story. And here's what's ironic about being late in your story. We get late in our story over all kinds of things. I mean, we get late in our story because we get older. But we get late in our story because we think we should be married by now, or we think we should have children by now, or we think we should have a successful career by now, or we think we should have this thing or that thing, and we should be farther along than we are. And, and we go back into that mode in which we say, I don't rest in God because I have a list of priorities. And I want God to do these things for me. And when he doesn't do them in my time, I get frustrated and upset. And God is much more concerned about my character than he is about my comfort. And he's much more concerned about my fruitfulness than he is about my fulfillment. And he's much more concerned about the pruning that needs to take place in my life than the prosperity that I think would be so wonderful. And so somewhere in there is God saying, I don't care where you are. I don't care, I don't care where it is in your life that you look into it and you go, well, it's too late for that. It's not too late for that. In fact, I'm going to give you the strength you need to get from where you are to where I want you to be right now. And at no point in your journey as you draw breath in this life will I ever leave you without a purpose in this world. At no point will you ever become useless in the kingdom of God. At no point will you ever be too far past your prime. At no point will you ever have a vision of what God might want to use you to do that I will not also provide to you the strength to get that done. And part of why we have a hard time resting is because we're worn out. Our strength is used up. We're tired. We're overwhelmed. But that is not how the story ends. 
And if you can't see it in your own heart, and your own mind, then step back and look at this epic of Israel, where it's just too far. The kingdom's gone. The, 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 the northern kingdom's collapsed. The southern kingdom's collapsed. Everyone's in exile. And yet, this too shall pass. There is a season, and the seasons are changing. There is a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. And you and I are invited to sit into this space and to rest, to be free to rest. But it's built on this promise of God, the promise of comfort and guidance and protection, the promise of strength, the promise that you and I are invited into a place where we can acknowledge with our whole being, listen, this too shall pass. This is a season, and the seasons are always changing. And though they're not equally enjoyable, they're equally purposeful. And there is a time for everything unto heaven. And there will come a time when the season changes to a time of fruitfulness and hope and joy and celebration. Do you believe that? That's the biblical story. Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth and he had the, the scroll of Isaiah brought to him and he read these words. Declare freedom for the captives. And he rolled up the scroll and in, his pre, in their presence he looked at them and he said, this word is fulfilled in your presence. It's the promise of freedom for you. And I'm going to invite the band to come back and we're going to pray. God, would you help us? We're so thankful for the reality that you've invited us into space in which we rest in you. That that's not just a sidelight. That's not just a hope. That's not just overcoming. That's a, that's a purposeful piece of the vision of God in our lives that each of us would find this place of rest. That you invite us into a place in which we surrender all of that to you. And I pray right now for all of those who are gathered around and bowing heads and in need of this place of rest. Would you remind us? Remind us of the comfort and the guidance. Remind us, Lord, of the protection. Remind us, Lord, of the strength you've promised to give would you allow us to just take a deep breath around this city around the country around the world in these moments and just say God I, I need you for some of us we'd have to confess that we're sorry that we have asked you to underwrite our own purposes and so we humble ourselves and we recognize that we want to fit into your purposes. I pray for those that have been in a season of exile, a season of hardship, a season where it feels like there's been no comfort. I pray that comfort could begin this morning. Even as we, in, this, in a moment, we respond with the words of this great song, I, I, I pray that that comfort would begin to make its way into hearts and lives and homes and families. It's not too late. This too will pass. Life is full of seasons and they are always changing. And there is a time for everything under heaven. 
May each of us find a place to rest in that great truth. And may you do your work in our hearts and souls in these closing moments. If someone out there needs prayer, if someone out there needs the intervention of a pastor, or I pray that you would reach out. We'll reach back. God, do your work in each of our hearts, we pray, in these moments together. As you do, we're going to give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.